0: I would like to thank the Kawata Baptist Church eldership for granting me this opportunity. And above all, I would love to thank the Lord for allowing me to bring His Word to you. If you have your Bibles with you, kindly turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians this morning we will read from Chapter five, reading from verse one through 12. My area of focus this morning will be verse nine through 11. I will be reading from the English standard version and I commence reading. Now concerning the times and the seasons and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as. You are doing the reading of God's word. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, this morning we do ask that you may be pleased to glorify yourself through the preaching of your word for Christ's sake. Amen. Brothers and sisters, As we go through life here on earth, we are faced with a number of situations that lead us to have a number of questions. There are times of great suffering, great sorrow that we face. And in those times, others are led to ask the question, has God pronounced judgment On me has God pronounced judgment on my family because the suffering is just too great there are other times when we suffer after losing a loved one and we have the question when the day of the Lord comes when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back what will happen to my loved one Who is asleep. What will happen. To that one person. Who believed in him. Will that salvation. Remain true. Or did they lose their salvation. And there are some of us. Who are still alive. Who are Christians. Who when we fall into sin. Ask the question. Have I lost my salvation. Has God. Abandoned me. Brothers and sisters, this morning as we consider 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, reading from verse 9 through 11, the text before us will seek to produce answers that are needed to the questions that have been raised. Brothers and sisters, this morning as we look at the text before us, I want to proclaim to you that God has permanently determined our salvation that God has permanently determined our salvation every Christian must know that God has permanently determined our salvation he will not change his mind nothing will interfere with God's determination brothers and sisters how then Can every Christian know that God has permanently determined our salvation? As we look at the text before us, we are going to draw two lessons. The first lesson that we are going to draw from the text before us is that our destiny is salvation. This is clearly outlined in verse 9 through 10. Our destiny is salvation. The second and final lesson will be our disposition because of salvation. If our destination is salvation, how then should we think? How then should we leave? How then should we relate one with the other? Those are the lessons that we will look at this morning. Brothers and sisters, as I proceed, allow me to just give a bit of context to the text that we are looking at. The text is found in First Thessalonians, and First Thessalonians has three primary themes throughout the letter. One of the themes is love for God and love for neighbor. The second primary theme that we see in First Thessalonians is, is holiness towards God, as well as holiness in relation with and to neighbor. Finally, brothers and sisters, the other theme that we see in First Thessalonians is hope in God. This being said, brothers and sisters, the text before us is located within the theme of hope. And this hope that is being explained is hope regarding the end things, the last things, the final things, which theologians popularly call eschatological details. In dealing with the final things, the writer of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, talks about the day of the Lord. And as he begins explaining the day of the Lord in chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, he deals with how he will come back first with those that have died in him, and he shall also bring up to him those that will still be alive. They'll be caught up in the air, and they will be with the Lord forever. After explaining that in chapter 5, verse 1 through 8, he begins to deal with the day of the Lord from a different perspective. What does the day of the Lord mean for sinners? What does the day of the Lord mean for saints? And so in dealing with that, he differentiates where the two belong. He describes the sinners as belonging to the darkness, as children of the darkness. He describes the saints as belonging to the light, as children of the light. When he does that, he then goes to show that the sinners will receive destruction while the saints will receive salvation. And then he transitions into verse 9 through 11, which is our text of focus this morning. Let us then consider the first lesson. Our destiny is salvation verse 9 through 10 brothers and sisters here we hear being taught by the Apostle Paul that for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him. Here we see that salvation is solely a work of God. Salvation is entirely God's work. And in order for us to understand that salvation is entirely God's work, we are going to do this in three parts. Firstly, we are going to understand that God intended For our salvation verse 9 secondly we are going to understand that God initiated our salvation verse 9 and finally we are going to understand that God implemented our salvation verse 10 let us then see what it means that God intended for our salvation In verse 9, there are three key words that we need to understand. The first one, if you are using the English Standard Version, is the word destined. The second one is the word wrath. The third one is the word salvation. It is very important that we understand the implications of this terms being used in the text before us in order for us to get to the conclusion that the writer intended for us to get to. What is to be destined? What does it mean to be destined? Brothers and sisters the original Greek word used here entails of an idea of God passively Placing a human being on a path to bring him or her to his intended final outcome. God placing a human being passively on a path to bring him or her to his intended outcome. If we look closely here, we can hear overtones of the doctrine of predestination. So this word, God, has not destined. God has not placed us on a path within which we have no influence to change the flaw or final outcome to end up in his wrath or under his wrath. So we have seen then the meaning of what it means to be destined. God has decided what your path will be, what my path will be, what our paths will be. And the outcome of us walking these paths cannot be changed by you or anybody else. If that is the meaning of the word distant, it means that God has chosen us, God is leading us, God is working with and within us to lead us to his final conclusion. Now that final conclusion is not wrath. That final conclusion is salvation according to the text, which leads us to the second question. Remember, we want to understand three words here. What is wrath? In the context of our text, what is The wrath of God brothers and sisters the wrath of God is God's response to sin God's response to those who reject the gift of his son the Lord Jesus Christ through whom salvation is brought to us the wrath of God is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ was referring to in John chapter 3 verse 36 when he said, He who does not believe in the Son, the wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God is God's punishment, God's perdition, and God's payment for sinners. And so in the context of our text, we are being reminded that our ultimate end, our final outcome, is not to be punished by God. It is not to be paid back by God. It is not to end up in perdition because God has not destined us for that outcome. Our final outcome is salvation. Which we are going to understand further as well. Brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to draw your attention to Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse 7b through verse 10b. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse 7b through verse 10b the bible reads and i caught and to grant when the lord jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance upon those who do not know god and on those who do not obey the gospel of our lord jesus they will suffer punishment of eternal destruction Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints. Brothers and sisters, what we have just read here is a picture of God's wrath being described. So if God's wrath is His payment to sinners, His punishment for sinners... His perdition for sinners, then it means that only those that have turned a deaf ear to the gospel will suffer such. But for those that are Christians, who the Apostle Paul is writing to here, their destiny is not wrath, their destiny is salvation. Which leads us to answering the final question, then what is salvation, brothers and sisters? According to First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, we are being told that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who delivers us from the wrath of God. This being the case means that salvation. Is deliverance salvation is rescue from the wrath of God from the punishment of God from God's anger which will consume his adversaries those that have rejected the gift of his son the Lord Jesus Christ through whom we are saved so salvation is rescue salvation is deliverance Having understood those words, destined, wrath, and salvation, the text would read something like this. I will replace the words in the text with the meanings that we have gone through together. For God has not passively placed us on a path To bring us to his intended final outcome, which is the punishment, the payment, the perdition of those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he has destined us, or he has intended for us, or he has appointed us to receive deliverance from the punishment, the payment, and the perdition of those who do not believe in him brothers and sisters we have seen here that god truly intended for our salvation we have seen that his intention has been clear from eternity past he decided that he will rescue a people He decided that he will see his plan through of rescuing his people whom he chose in eternity past. In the context of our text, this salvation that is being referred to is the redemption of our bodies and also the resurrection from the dead, also known as glorification. There is a coming time, brothers and sisters, when the Lord Jesus Christ will come back and he will transform your bodies, my body, and we shall be united with him. We shall be free from the residue sin that we so much battle with in this life. Brothers and sisters, we have sin. that truly salvation is solely a work of God to which man contributes nothing, with which man cannot interfere. Secondly, as we are understanding that salvation is solely a work of God, let us see then how God initiated our salvation. We have seen that God intended for our salvation. Now let us see how God initiated our salvation. In verse 9, we are being told... That God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see two things happening. Firstly, that God chose the person for our salvation. And secondly, we see that God chose the prescription for our salvation. Who is the person that God chose for our salvation? In verse 9b, we are being told that it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Peter would write to the exiles telling them in chapter 1 verse 20 that he was foreknown before the foundations of the world and he has been revealed in these last days for your sake. You who believe in God that through him you may have hope. Brothers and sisters, we are seeing purposeful, deliberate intentionality on the part of God. He began the process of rescuing us. No one ascended to the heavens. In fact, no one ascended or went back to eternity past and began to suggest to God that, God, may you please rescue us, because when you create us, we will fall. But God in His love, God in His mercy, God in His wisdom chose how the salvation would be initiated. And he chose the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did he choose the Lord Jesus Christ, but also he prescribed how this was to be done. The text before us is telling us that through him... The prescription in order for you and I to be saved those of us who are professing Christians here where you are who you are as a child of God is because your salvation came to you through the Lord Jesus Christ it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself in chapter 14 of the book of John and in verse 6 responding to Thomas who said I am the way the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so there is this consistency, there is this deliberateness in God's plan to bring salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have sinned then, that salvation is solely a work of God in three parts. Firstly, we have seen that God intended for our salvation, we have seen that God initiated our salvation. The conclusive part is the truth that God implemented our salvation. How did God then implement our salvation? How did He bring it to pass? God implemented our salvation through the death of Jesus Christ. Through the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 10 clearly outlines this truth. It was necessary that Christ should die for your sins, my sins, the sins of the people of old, the sins of the people to be in order for us to be saved. This death of Christ is elaborately explained to us in Romans chapter 5, reading from verse 8 as well as verse 10a. Kindly turn with me there. We are being told, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10a. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So our reconciliation, our relationship with God, our belonging to God cannot happen without the death of Christ. The death of Christ is a necessity. It is of vital importance. We must understand that Christ had to die for our reconciliation to God. Brothers and sisters, here as we see the death of Christ... There is an implication which the Apostle Paul deals with in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As he argues out the centrality of the resurrection of Christ to our salvation, he makes it clear and plain that if Christ was not raised from the dead, then you and I are still in our sins. A dead Christ cannot save a dead Christ cannot bring hope a dead Christ cannot make us children of God this is why in the text before us the Apostle Paul continues to say in verse 10 that while we are alive or dead that we may live with him the resurrection of Christ is not explicitly mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10. But it is implicitly mentioned. How? How can you and I live with a Christ who did not rise? How can we live with someone who is lifeless? When we go back into chapter 4 and reading from chapter 4, verse 14 we are told about the resurrection of Christ from the dead, the Apostle Paul would go on to say, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, brothers and sisters, the death of Christ and his resurrection must be present for your salvation and mine. This is why it is a glorious truth this morning to realize that not only did our Savior die, but He also rose from the dead, and He also overcame death itself. There is no human being who has placed faith in Him who will be subjected to eternal damnation because the Christ Himself has provided a way. Brothers and sisters, here we see that truly God implemented our salvation. Not only did Christ have to die, not only did he die, not only did Christ have to rise from the dead, not only did he resurrect, but Christ has also provided surety for you. Surety for me. Eternal hope to live with him forever and that is the latter part of verse 10 brothers and sisters when you die as a christian it doesn't end there this is why when you go back to chapter 4 he deals with the issue of where will the dead be he tells them that they will come back with christ Himself and they will live with him forever and that is also true for the living Brothers and sisters. I raised the number of questions in the beginning Bringing attention to the sufferings and sorrows that we experience on the side of eternity And how these sometimes cause us to be depressed how these sometimes cause us to be discouraged well before us we have seen a certainty before us we have sin hope that can never be taken away that salvation is solely a work of god and as you walk in this life your sanctification does not secure your salvation your good deeds do not secure your salvation but they prove your salvation they are evidence and so it is not dependent on your good deeds for you to be saved it is not dependent on your good deeds for you to be guaranteed eternity with him if you have believed in Christ God chose us God called us God consecrates us God will consummate us, and so our salvation is past, present, and post, or future. We were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. We were saved, justification. We are being saved, sanctification we will be saved, glorification. In justification, we were saved from the punishment of our sins. In sanctification, we are being saved from the power of sin. In glorification, we'll be saved from the presence of sin. And the salvation being referred to in the text before us is our glorification. Our salvation from the presence of sin. When even that residue sin that has so much weighed us down will be dealt with permanently. Oh, such great hope to continue looking to the Savior because He has never left nor forsaken those that have believed in Him. He is with them and He will continue to lift them up whenever they fall. As long as they are His own, He will bring them into His kingdom to live with Him forever. Brothers and sisters, we have sinned then that truly God, has permanently determined our salvation. And the first lesson that we have looked at is that we are destined for salvation. This being the case, if Christians, if saints are destined for salvation, the opposite is also true. Sinners... Those present this morning who are not believers in Jesus Christ, if you are here, hear me loud and clear. Your destination is wrath. Your destination is eternal damnation. If you are not a Christian, salvation is not yours. Your eternal reality is punishment from God. And there is nothing that your presence in this service would do for you because salvation is not about church attendance there is nothing that your obedience or good deeds or your niceness and the things that you do for people out there would do for you because salvation is solely a work of god and there is only one deliverer the one man that god chose and by his name is the lord jesus christ to rescue you from your sin to rescue you from the ultimate end, which is the wrath of God. My brother, my sister, you do not have time. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. It does not matter how many accolades you've gathered to your name. It does not matter how affluent you are in society. It does not matter who your parents are. It does not matter where you come from. It does not matter who you are married to. It does not matter who you talk to. At the end of the day, there is a day of reckoning. And when the Lord comes back for his own, for you, it will be nothing but utter destruction. Once you run, once you come to the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. Because for your sake, God chose him. He came to earth to live a life that you could not live. He came to earth to die for your sins he came to earth to suffer the punishment the wrath of God he died was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead and in the book of acts in chapter 4 we are being taught in verse 12 that there is no salvation in any other name apart from the name of Jesus here on earth only Christ can save and let me mention that you can only believe in Christ while you are still alive. Once you die, it's over because there will be no do-overs. Brothers and sisters, truly, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 through 11 is clearly showing us that God has permanently determined our salvation. The first lesson that we have seen is that we are destined for salvation. And so in those moments of lowness, my brother, my sister, you who is in Christ, remember that nothing can undo what God has done, what God has purposed. Let us then consider the final lesson, which is, our disposition because of salvation we are destined for salvation but then this salvation that we are destined for the already but not yet the fortest that we've had which will now be brought to fullness what should it do to you as a christian what should it do to your thinking? What should it do to your living here on earth? How should you, how must you, relate with brothers and sisters in the faith? This is what the Apostle Paul is making known to us in verse 11. He says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing now this therefore is a conclusion indicator it is showing us that he has been saying something which he is bringing to a close in light of what i have explained the apostle paul would say regarding the day of the lord How the dead in Christ shall rise and how those who will be alive will be caught up to him in the air and they will be with him forever. Regarding the day of the Lord, what it means for Christians and for those who are not Christians, this should be your mindset. You Christians must encourage one another. And the word encourage here is basically saying, do everything within your capabilities as given by God to make sure that your brother, your sister, is continuously focusing on God. Stir up one another to love and good works. But in light of our text, he is saying, remind your brother... Encourage your sister when those sorrows overwhelm them of having lost so much in this life. Having suffered so much in this life, remind them that the Lord will come back for His church. The Lord will come back for you. Soldier on. Keep on clinging to Him. Trust Him because God has permanently determined our salvation. And this hope of Him coming back. This hope of eternity with Him must not escape us. There are times, brothers and sisters, when we are so focused on the here and now that we neglect the hereafter. When we are so focused on the Great Commission that we forget the hope that lies within the Great Commission for the laborers. How that He has left us To bring into the kingdom through the preaching of the gospel those who are lost. But at the same time he is saying, at the end of your labors, I am coming back to comfort you. And so this should be an eternal perspective that we must have. To know that this life is not all there is, but there is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what it means for you is serenity not sorrow. What it means for you is peace, not punishment, not perdition. Brothers and sisters, many are the times, and I have been a victim several times, of behaving in this way. We complain about how such and such a person does not encourage us, how such and such a person does not visit us, how such And such a person, how we know, I'm not too sure, does not pray for us. But brothers and sisters, all I see in those complaints are I, 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 me, myself, and I. What service, what encouragement are you who is a victim, so to speak, if really you are, of not being encouraged, are you producing to encourage others? Are you yourself actively here at Kawata Baptist Church thinking about the state of your brother or your sister or it's all about you? Isn't it the Lord Jesus Christ who would let be quoted by the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts saying, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Wasn't it God the Father who gave His only Son for our salvation? What about you? What are you giving as an expression of your gratitude to God for having saved us? You, how has this truth of God having permanently determined our eternal salvation? Doing for you, many are the times that we are comfortable in the sin of complaining. The, the attitude being described here of just pointing fingers at who is not doing what is sinful. If you are not doing what you're claiming others are not doing. How can you look at your brother and you tell him there is a log in your eye, let me remove it. When you yourself have a forest in your own eyes. Brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul is saying in light of this hope, in light of this eternal salvation, you must encourage one another. And so encouragement is vice versa. It's not just you being encouraged, you must also encourage others. Not only does the Apostle Paul call them to encourage one another, he also calls them to edify one another. Edification, the word here that is used to, uh, to, to symbolize edification is basically communicating to us building. How when a building is being built, blocks and other material is used to bring it to completion. We, as the body of Christ, must perform the same function. You must use your gifts, the grace that God has placed upon your life, to ask the question, what do I have and how can I use it for the betterment of my brother, for the betterment of my sister? And do as wise. Brothers and sisters in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talking about the work of pastors, which is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. He goes on to say that the body of Christ may be brought to maturity when each part is functioning accordingly, which therefore means that each and every one of us here has a role to play. No part of Christ's body is too small or insignificant. Every one of us has something that God has for us to do for the growth and building up of others. This morning I will ask the question to you, are you like the Dead Sea? It is the Dead Sea that is described as a sea which has no outlet. Everything just falls inside. Everything just goes in. And anything that has life would die and rot in there. So it is a sea that reeks. It is a sea that stinks. That is why it's called the Dead Sea. Are you like the Dead Sea in the sense of you come to church on Sunday... You go for a prayer meeting on Thursday or a Bible study. You come for YP and other fellowships. All you do is accumulate information, accumulate doctrine. Feed yourself, increase and grow and grow, but you never give out. That is a failure on your part. That is a failure on my part. The reason we are being built up, the reason we are being equipped, is so that the Lord can also work through us to continue growing His body. Brothers and sisters, the text before us has shown us doctrine coupled with duty. It is wonderful that we understand the truths that we have understood. It is wonderful that we know that God has permanently determined our eternal salvation. It is good that we know that our destiny is salvation. It is good that we know our disposition because of salvation. But all of this is meaningless without practice. All of this is meaningless if we are not fully obeying God. Brothers and sisters, this morning we have sinned then from First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 through 11, that truly, God has permanently determined our eternal salvation. our destiny. Is salvation, And we have seen that there is a disposition that we must have because of salvation. Oh dear saint, won't you respond to this call to be shaken awake from your slumber and see what you can do for he who gave his life for you. He has given for you. What will you give for Him? Oh, sinner, once you run to the hope of salvation, to the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone can rescue you, even this evening is not promised to you, there will be no do-overs once you run to Him and cry out to Him in faith, Save me, O Lord Jesus Christ, I am undone. My best efforts I have seen and known that are but filthy rags in your sight. Rescue me. Save me from my sin. May the Lord help both saints and sinners. Amen.